welcome to the 444 podcast Where you gotta catch it like, like a drop pass You know Dom is hitting all of the topics Ranging from the flyers to the process You know it's heavy sixers in my city From Embiid to Simmons You know we keep it gritty And the Phillies is ringing the bell The skipper got this team ready to sell No national love for Harper, right? I would've signed Bryce twice, the price was right, uh Wentz to Earth, such a connection Turnover on downs, Malcolm Jenkins in a session We back to being the beast from the east Turn the volume up and let Dom speak After a much-needed break, a much-needed all-star break, and just a much-needed break period just from the drama and all of the negativity, we're back. We are back. And by we, I mean me, Dom Lewis here with the Philly Sports 444 Podcast and the Philadelphia 76ers. We're back. We're back. You know, it's um, it feels good. It feels good to just have a... Uh, a break where it's no drama and negativity um, and just clear your head for a few days. And, 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 and me, along with this podcast, I just needed to take a little bit of a break, kind of figure out some direction. And I haven't figured it all out, but I think the only direction I need to go right now and to continue to go right now is forward. And I think that's the same with the Sixers. And I'll get into all of it, but we are back with another episode of the Philly Sports 444 podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis. Let me take some of the audio back because I'm being so loud in this microphone right now. But I do thank you guys for tuning in. I thank you guys for all your support. And thank you guys for your patience and bearing with me during uh, times of transition and times of uh, me figuring out things. So thank you so much. I do appreciate that. And I do appreciate all your support. Um, to, you know, my day warners, the, the people that have supported me, um, you know, late comers, late bloomers, whatever you want to call it. I do. I just appreciate everyone who is tuned in or has tuned in or is tuning in to this podcast and gives feedback and i do appreciate that and i can't thank you enough so thank you guys for tuning in this is episode 45 of the podcast um back like jordan wearing the four five and how ironic that i say that because it is the goat's birthday so happy birthday to uh the great michael jordan and um speaking of jordan and the city of chicago and greatness we saw a great all-star game yesterday a great all-star game it was the best all-star game i've seen since 2001 that was the all-star game when uh Allen iverson won the mvp when he had that great fourth quarter but yesterday's all-star game was excellent it was it was great it was very very competitive and that fourth quarter was just something it was something special it really was to see the level of competition and and the amount of uh intensity during that fourth quarter, it was really, really big, and it was great to see, great to see, um, you know, our great to the game today, just competing and just at a high level and, and not taking it for granted and not um, not slouching and, and just not out there lollygagging. They were really competing out there, so 
I mean, the whole weekend was great. You know, I, if you want to be honest, I mean, from the celebrity game to the to, to the uh, to the uh, Rising Stars game, that was really good. I thought um, even the skills competitions, uh, the competitions on Saturday night were good. I know that Aaron Gordon got robbed again, but I thought that the dunk contest was really good. I thought Derek Jones Jr. Although I thought Aaron Gordon got robbed, Derek Jones Jr. is really really a good dunker. Um, and it was I, I I could appreciate all the contests that happened on Saturday night, and then on Sunday we just had a great All Star game. So I really do. Um, I think that this weekend was a, a very very good weekend for the NBA, and it was a great weekend. I mean because the celebrations of one Kobe Bryant as well as um, David Stern, uh, the commissioner that passed away uh, in the month of January. Well, yeah, they actually both passed away in January, but. Um, just celebrating both of their lives and their commitments to the game of basketball, their contributions to the game of basketball. It was really something special to see. And I mean, just all weekend, I mean, I think Chicago put on such a great all I think the NBA and Chicago put on such a great all-star weekend. I don't know if it'll be topped in, um, you know, these years to come. I really don't know. So, I mean, I felt like all the, uh, the musical acts and entertainment was really, really good, high level. Um, I know people were dog shocking kind of a little bit as far as her singing the national anthem, but I thought she did a really good job. Common, he did a great job with the poetry and the introductions of all the players, and like I said, the 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 Kobe the Kobe uh, you know tributes were just amazing to see, and you know it's just like sometimes you you know when you're mourning you like thinking like you know you think you got all the tears out, and then like you know something happens like that, man, the tears come right back. And just like so sad, like, you know, you've seen it and you're just like reflecting on it and kind of mourning again. But then you're celebrating his life. And it was just great to see, man. It really was wonderful. And it was great that they named the um, the MVP trophy of the All-Star Game after Kobe. And it just was, like I said, the game was great. I think the weekend was great. Um, and it was, it was great to see as far as um, just a celebration of life as opposed to... Uh, you know, filling down the dumps and, and trying to shine some light and trying to help people get through this process. Um, still, it's still shocking to a lot of people. It's still shocking to me. So, um, I, I do appreciate the NBA for putting on such a great weekend, and I appreciate just having a great game. I mean, I can't get over how intense that fourth quarter was. It was really, really, and I know like some of it may have been for show, like you know, yelling at the referees and stuff like that. But, I mean, I thought that was just intense basketball, man. They were really playing out there. Um, almost to the point where I or I said, personally, I was like, there's got to be something else on the line besides them just donating to charity. It has to be some type of cash, some type of incentives on the line in the background that we don't know about because they're really playing intense right now. So, uh, I really just appreciated that game. It was so good that I watched it again last night. Like, after the game was over, I watched the replay on TNT because um, I couldn't get enough of it. So, um, and then Kawhi Leonard winning the MVP. He, he had a great, oh, he had an awesome game. He really did. I mean, he had a great game. Joel Embiid had a great game. Anthony Davis had a good game. Um, Chris Paul had a good game. They, they, they really were, they came out there to play last night. I thought Ben had a good game. You know, it was really, really, it was really, really a good night last night for the NBA. And, um, you know, I saw, I saw a tweet from Teddy Bruschi saying, uh, NBA, please fix the Pro Bowl <laughs> because the Pro Bowl is, you know, such a it's like down and dumps right now. But listen, I, I just I, I appreciated what the NBA did this whole entire weekend, and um, it was good to 
to just have a, a great time and, and, and just uh, look at some great stuff from the NBA and not have to focus on our own team and focus on the drama within our own team. Because there was a lot of drama uh, before the All-Star break with the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, it just was, it, it had me to a point where I just couldn't record. I felt like every day there was something, you know, either manufactured by the media, media or just, you know, nonsense that had nothing to do with the team or like a lot of what ifs and, and a lot of trade Joel Embiid's or trade Ben Simmons's and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we need to get this player, that player, Firebird Brown, all that stuff, all that stuff came into play. All that stuff came into play. And I felt like it was just a, you know, not even enough for me to record because I would have had to record some every day and I just don't have the time to do that. But it was a point where I could have recorded something every day, but at the same time, I didn't even want to talk about any of this stuff because it was exhausting to me. And I'm, I'm glad now that there, we had a break from all of the issues or not all the issues with the 76ers, but just taking a break from the drama, just the, 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 uh, minutia, all of the, the, the noise. I'm glad that we were able to take a break just from, you know, all of, all of that stuff and just kind of focus on something good and just kind of hit the reset button a little bit and just kind of reflect on what's happened and, and kind of assess what we need to do going forward. And I have some things I think that the Sixers need to do going forward as far as being successful for the remainder of the regular season and going into the playoffs. So before I even started the podcast, I took a look at the standings and they're fifth in the, in the Eastern conference right now. There are two games behind, um, the fourth seed, I think is Miami and there are six games behind, um, the Raptors, which are in the second seed. So if they can, uh, I think that it is possible for them to, uh, to jump out of that fifth seed and get to a top three seed. I, I do think it's possible. Um, looking at the standings right now, they're four and a half, four and a half games back out of the third seed, which is the Celtics. And like I said, I think it's possible for them to um, get into the third seed. But I think it's going to take a lot of work. And I do think it's going to take, of course, winning on the road. And the Sixers have 14 home games left and 13 road games. And in order for the Sixers to get to that third seed, I think they need to win 9 of 13 road games. No question. I think they need to win 9 of 13 road games, and I think as far as their home games are concerned, I think they need to finish with a home record of like no more than I would say no more than 6 losses, so probably 35 and 6 at home. They're going to have to finish somewhere around there in order to so that would put them at what? That put them at 10 more losses for the season. That put them at 31 losses. Um... And that would make them, what, 50, what, 52, no, 51 and 31. That could get them into the third seed. It could. It kind of would be the record from last year, I think. Um, but at this point, they only have the room to, uh, they can't They can't lose, they can't continue their road rules like they, they have. They can't continue to lose on the road the way they have. They're 9-19 on the road, so they have to really step it up on the road and they got to win like i said 9 of 13 i think that's what i see it would help if they could win 10 of 13 and and continue their their home uh success and not um lose any home games but that's impossible i think they'll lose at least uh at least two more home games and i think they'll probably lose uh the maximum 
would be probably six. I think they'll probably win 35 home games. Um, and they have the best home record in the NBA, which is great. But championship teams and and competitors and and uh, real true contenders win on the road, and they have to they have to figure this out. And I know I know there's been issues with you know uh, spacing. I know there's been issues with you know uh, the health of Embiid, Simmons and B playing together, Brett Brown's offense. I know it's been all that stuff. But yeah, at the end of the day, you just need someone to take this bull by the horns. And really just steer this thing in the right direction. It's really what it comes down to. I, I think that, you know, as much as we complain about Brett's offense, and I know that, you know, it is a lot to complain about. It really is. At the end of the day, like, you need a leader on the floor to really just steer this thing in the right direction and put this team in overdrive, and they have to do it. Like, it's going to take Ben and Joe together. It's really going to take them together. It, they can't, like, this team is only going to go as far, and I know it sounds very simple, but it really is that simple. They're only going to go as far as Ben and Joel take them. Like, there's a lot of talent on this team. I don't think the talent is an issue. I really don't think that. I, I think that you got some good pieces with getting Alex Burke and Glenn Robinson the third at the uh, trade deadline. I think that's fine. Um, you know, added some shooting. I do think, you know, there had to be some lineup changes as far as, like, starting lineup. And, I, and, and you see Brett, Brett Brown has already changed the lineup a little bit. By making Al Horford come off the bench, you know, it helps their spacing. And that's great. That's wonderful. You need that. But at the same time, um, you need you need your leaders or you need your superstars to lead this team. Lead this team on, at home and on the road. And they can't be front runners. They have to actually just, they got to pull this team together during the adversity. They have to. It's going to take them doing that. Now and in the playoffs, in order for this team to be successful, and I think the issue has been people have been saying stuff like you know Joel Embiid isn't the leader, and that's right. That's right to say that. Like it's okay to say that because um, he hasn't displayed the qualities of a leader, and 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 been you know not leading the team either. And it's right to say that as well. Like I, I mean, you got to criticize them where they need to be criticized. I don't think that um, I don't think that it's unfair to do that, and I think that. Ben has had a he's had a really good stretch lately where he's playing some really really good basketball. Um, he's figuring it out a little bit, and yeah, the jumper's always going to be an issue. But people have to get over what he doesn't do and look at what he does do. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry that's grammatically incorrect, but they had to look at what he does in order to see how he affects the game in so many different ways where he's not shooting a jumper. And I think that the people that say you know. Oh, shoot a jumper, shoot a jumper, shoot a jumper. Either one, they don't know basketball, or two, they just they're just hearing what everyone else says, hearing what a lot of a majority of, or not even a majority, but the the the, the vocal minority is saying, and they're just agreeing with him. They're not looking at what he does. They're not looking at his play. They're not looking at how he runs the offense. They're not looking at they're not looking at the game frame by frame and actually looking at it and seeing, you know what, Ben really does affect the game by his overall play. And I'm not saying he's perfect. He has a lot that he has to do to get better. But his jumper and his lack of a jumper is, is not a, a top five issue right now. It really is not. It's not a top five issue. Yeah, I mean, there were some issues with spacing. And it would help if he had a jumper, yes. But knowing that he doesn't do that, that's not his game. Um, and you have to and you have to put your team in the best positions to win. That goes back to coaching. 
And I think Brett did a great job of, you know, making Horford come off the bench. I know Horford didn't want to do that. But at the same time, um, Horford is a vet. Horford is, knows, you know, he has to do what's best for the team. And I appreciate him for making the sacrifice. But it's up to Brett to make sure, like, to tell him, like, convey to this team, like, sacrifices need to be made in order for us to be successful. And, you know, a lot of this is going to fall on Brett if this is if this doesn't work. Because the talent is here. The talent is here. Um, I think that Ben is having a really, really good season. Well-deserved All-Star. Um, and I think that Joel is having a good season as well. But I think a lot of people are talking about Joel Embiid's regression. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's regression. I I do know that Joel Embiid um, has to step up and be a leader. And I need Joel Embiid to to take this bull by the horns and really realize his full potential, and not be so passive anymore. It's more his so his attitude than anything. And I know there was some issues where you know. And flirting with the idea of being like traded and not even traded, but um, playing the bad guy role, quote unquote bad guy role. Um, I don't think Joel Embiid wants to go anywhere. And I know that I think that a lot of the talk does get to him. Um, after a while, it gets to anybody, I feel. But he has to realize what he needs to do in order for this team to be successful and do it. Um, it's not just him putting up 28 and 12. That's great. That's awesome. But his leadership, they need his leadership on the floor. They're only going to go as far as he takes them. And it's, it starts with his attitude. It really does. I said it before. Like, Joel B, like, they play with a different energy when he's energized. And when he's playing uh, dominant basketball and him trying to be dominant and him being aggressive, they play with a different attitude. And same thing with Ben Simmons. Like we always say, aggressive Ben Simmons is the best Ben Simmons because when Ben Simmons is aggressive and Ben Simmons is an aggressor, when he has the attitude that he is going to attack, everyone else follows suit, and you need that. You need you need you need them to be aggressive and or and, and and be dominant and want to take the bull by the horns and steer this team into victory, and they have to do that. So it's going to take their attitude. It's going to take their. Um, them stepping up as leaders. It's not even them stepping up their their actual game, but it's them stepping up as leaders. And and I think great players find a way to play together. And there's going to be some nights where it's Joel Embiid's night. He's going to get the ball in the post. He's going to be dominant. Da, 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 da. It's going to be nights where Ben Simmons needs to be the aggressor and just needs to dunk on people and attack and attack and attack. And Joel's going to have to step back, but not step back in the sense of be passive, but step back like. Let Ben get his, and I'm going to get mine as well, but let Ben lead us tonight. But it's, it's going to take them two to put their egos aside and lead the team. That's what it comes down to. So, I do I, I do have, I'm optimistic a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not totally, like, so, like, I'm not in this, I'm not um saying, like, no, they're definitely going to East Conference Final. I'm not saying that. What I am saying right now is, is that I'm optimistic that they can actually turn their woes around as far as they're losing on the road and they can turn it around as far as they know what they need to do in order to be successful, I think. Um, I heard Reggie Miller say last night during the All-Star game, they need to figure out their style of play. I kind of agree with that, but that I, I think that's on coaching. I really do. I think that I think that comes down to Brett Brown and it comes down to what is he going to do to put this team in a position to win. And 
you know, my man Earn says, <laughs> you always like to say I'm like a, a Brett Brown apologist. I'm really not. Um, I do think that a lot of times Brett catches a lot of flack and it's not fair because a lot of the issues or issues that people were blaming Brett for, they should be blaming players for. At the end of the day, Brett has to put this position in team. I mean, put this team in position to win. And he has to, um, you know, him not calling plays and him, these questionable liners and playing that over too many minutes and stuff like that. That's coaching. That's coaching issues. And, you know, coaching is like, for some reason, like, you know, they're not, you see issues, like things where people are like, Brett is talking on the bench and, you know, they're completely ignoring what Brett has to say. Like, they're not even listening to him. And I think that, um, that's frustration partly, but I also think that um, Brett has to, um, he's, you know, he has to not be so stubborn and understand uh, what what he what what works with this team and do it and put them in positions to win. Um, so even if it, if it's putting his own um, wants and desires aside, he's going to have to do that. In order for this team to be successful. Um, like get the heck out of the way almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 like I said. It's, I don't think Brett Brown's a bad coach. I don't. I just sometimes. I, I And honestly I, I do think it's now. I, I think that he's just not the coach for this team. For this particular team. For this crop of talent. He is not the coach for them. Um, and it's no slight on him. It's just. It just is what it is. Like they just need a different voice. Um, but we'll see where he can lead them. We'll see if he can lead them to a conference final, because I think that the Sixers are still is still capable. They're still capable of getting to the conference final. It's still a possibility. It really is. Um, although it's it's like almost like the Sixers are on the outside looking in. I do think it's a possibility for them to make it to the conference final if they can get to that third seed. I think that that right there will determine everything as far as them where they go um in the in the, for the rest of the uh whether where they will go during their playoff run so um we'll see we'll see i think that uh you know it's a lot of work to be done but at the same time it's not impossible for them to get to uh a third seed or a, definitely a top four seed in my opinion i really don't think it's impossible um like i said they got the heat in front of them they got the celtics in front of them the raptors in front of them and you know no one's no one's going to um, stop the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to be the number one seed. But I heard something interesting last night. I saw something interesting. Shout out to my man Artuda. Um, he was breaking down like a, a series uh, during the fourth quarter where um, they uh, so Giannis uh, Team LeBron had like three. They had like three bigs and like defending, and it was a point where like Giannis couldn't even like attack like he went, wanted to attack. And this has been an issue with him before. Like, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Ben Simmons where they cut off. They they basically build like a, a fence almost. And they cut off the driving lanes where you can't just drive inside. You can't you can't penetrate. So um, I think that's what the Sixers were aiming for when they were trying to build this squad. Like, you know, and I, I don't think that's a secret. I think that, you know, everyone knows like they were they were building a long athletic team in order to defend the Bucks. The problem is. They don't match the Sixers don't match up well against the Raptors right now. Um, Raptors kind of have their number, but they've beaten the Raptors this year, and they right now they're not playing well against like uh, 
they didn't play well against uh, the Heat during their last outing, which kind of sucked. So, um, the Sixers have a lot to do in order to um, make it all gel together and play as a team that's worthy of, of getting to a conference final in, in, in this conference. And we'll see. You know, they had a bad... It was an up-and-down three weeks for the Sixers. I mean, they lost four straight on the road, which sucked really bad. They lost to Atlanta, which they shouldn't have lost to. Then they turn around and lose to the Bucks. Oh, no, no. They lost to... Um, who did they lose to first? They lost to the Celtics first, then the Bucks, Then they lost to... Um, who's the last thing they lost to? Oh, the Heat. And then they came home and won three straight. So, um, it's just a lot of inconsistency with the playing, on the, playing at home versus playing on the road. But... Um, that's why I said Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons need to turn it around, need to lead this team into victory and need to, uh, steer this team in the right direction going forward, uh, for the remaining 27 games of this season and going into the playoffs. They need to really make sure they, they take this ball by the horns and lead this team, lead this team. It's not about scoring points. It's not about assists. None of that stuff. It's really about leading the team and the team feeding off of your energy as leaders. That's when coming. And Brett putting this team in positions to win. It really sounds very simple. It goes because it is that simple. I mean, a lot of the stuff basketball-wise can be figured out by them basketball-wise because they're basketball professionals. But the real simple, the real, when you strip it all down, that's what it comes down to. Leadership and putting your team in positions to win. And that's what I think it comes down to. So, we'll see what happens. They got a game on Thursday against the Brooklyn Nets. And then they got a big, uh, they have a big stretch coming up. They got the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, on Saturday or Sunday. Look at the schedule again. Um, they got a they got a stretch against uh the West Coast coming up. I do know that. So they have Brooklyn on Thursday. That's at home. They'll win that game. They got Milwaukee on the road on Saturday, and then Atlanta at home on Monday. Then Cleveland away on Wednesday. It's a back to back. Cleveland away, and then New York Knicks at home, and then. Going into March, they have that that West Coast stretch. So it's like every other day, they got the uh, a game. We got the Clippers first, and the Lakers, then the Kings, and then the Warriors. So we'll see, we'll see what happens uh, going into that stretch. But I think if the Sixers can just get hot here a little bit. Um, if they can win two or four on that West Coast trip, if they can win all their home games, continue to win their home games, and and and, and put up a fight in, in Milwaukee. They got a really good chance, you know, making some 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 noise here. Um, it's just a matter of, like I said, leadership and putting their team in positions to win. That's what it comes down to. All right. So that's what I got on the Sixers. Um, I do. I like I said, I feel a little bit optimistic, you know, coming because I feel like that win against the Clippers before the All Star break that was a big win, and we saw Ben and Joel play dominant basketball. They just played aggressive, and we saw. Uh, and be commit to, I'm going to say how Tim Legler said it, commit to being a dominant force in the paint. I think that's, it's so key. It's not even about him getting on the block. It's just about him getting inside and, and wanting to be dominant. It's not even about like, you know, I just want him on the block bullying. Yeah, of course I want Joe on the block bullying, but at the same time, I get that he can't do it every play. And it's just about him committing to be dominant inside. Getting to the free throw line. That's what that's Ern asked me that on the show. So shout out to 215 Sports, Ern and Rel. But Ern asked me that on the show. He said, What do you want to see out of Joe? If you name one thing you want to see out of Joe and B, what do you want to see? I said, I want to see him get to the free throw line. That's what I want. I want to see him get to the free throw line. 
I don't even care about him doing dream shake, none of that stuff. Like, I want to see him get fouled, get to the free throw line, get easy buckets. If you're not going to get two inside, get to the free throw line. That's what I want out of him. And I, I think that's a key to, to the Sixers' success because it slows the game down, but it also lets you know you can wear them down inside, and it opens up everyone else on the court. It creates spacing. See how that works? But we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Sixers. Um, I'm excited for the remaining part of the season. I know that I'm going to be yelling, and I know I'm going to be upset sometimes, and I know I'm going to be pissed off, and other times I'm going to be happy, and I'm like, no one can mess with the Sixers. But this, like I said, it's going to take them, the two superstars, to lead this team. L-E-A-D, lead this team. And for Brett to put them in positions to actually win and to be successful. That's what it's going to take. It's very simple. It's not a very not overly complicated process, but that's what it's going to take for them to be successful. And then, you know, once they get their seating right, you know, and they get into the playoffs, let the chips fall where they may. All right? That's all I got in the Sixers. Um... But like I said, I think they'll win going uh, at home against Brooklyn uh, their first night back from the All-Star break. And then we'll see. They got a little bit of a tough stretch. And then um, things should get a little bit easier after that West Coast stretch. All right? So I'm going to take a short break. I'll be back in a moment. This is Don Lewis here with the Philly Sports 444 Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Philly Sports 444 Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Lewis, and thank you guys for tuning in. I do appreciate it. So, transitioning from the Sixers over to the other uh, portions of Philly Sports, which are the uh, the Flyers, the uh, Eagles, and the Phillies. First up, the Flyers. The Flyers, they've actually been playing pretty tough. Right now, they're in, they hold the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. Um... They're 6-3-1 in their last 10 games. They lost their last game, unfortunately. Um, but they have been playing pretty tough, I would say. And, you know, one thing I noticed about the Flyers is that <clears throat> through all of their um, what seems to be games that where they could be down, they could easily be counted out. Uh, they could easily just give it up. You know, it's not their night. The goaltender might be getting shellacked. Um, they just find a way to fight. They find a way to fight and continue to fight, and they actually climb back into games, which is is pretty, pretty impressive to me. I feel like the Flyers, um, for, you know, just to put it simply, they're just way better coached this year. Uh, They don't have a lot of the turmoil that they had last year with a lot of the uncertainty and a lot of the just minutia in the locker room and the uncertainty with the front office and the coaching staff. I feel like the Flyers have, um, they're not, I'm not going to say they're there yet because they're still building, but I've just seen a lot of improvement this year in regards to just their style of play, uh, the amount of grit that they play with, the toughness that they play with, and, you know, the goaltender just growing. I know he's been some time, but I think he's grown. Um, this has been a year uh, of growth for him, and I feel like um, not just uh, growing as, like, a man, but, I mean, well, not just growing as a goaltender, but growing as a man, I should say. I feel like the Flyers uh, have found something. I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, he's going to. I don't know if he'll be an all-star in the years to come. I don't know that. But I think Carter Hart is definitely uh, a future cornerstone with this franchise. And I think that um, they just found they just found it. They just found that grit, that toughness that they needed to play with. 
in order to uh i think they'll hold on to the second wild card spot and i think they'll actually make the uh, the postseason i just think it's a, a matter of talent with the flyers in order for them to get to the next level but for right now i think that they're playing with some grit some toughness and I think that they'll hold on to that second wild card spot. And you know what they say about hockey. Once you get into the dance, anything can happen. So I do find the Flyers to be uh, exciting a little bit. I do think that they have the attention of um, some of the casual fans. But I think, you know, for the sports fans in general, I think that, uh, you know, if you're a 4 for 4 fan, that they do have your attention. Um, and if they don't have your attention, you're probably just not a hockey fan, which is cool. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't knock people that are not hockey fans. For a long time, I wasn't a hockey fan. Um, I'm still actually learning the game. But what I do know that the amount of grit that they play with, and the amount of speed that they they play with, they play a lot faster this year than they played in the past couple of years, in my opinion. So I'm just looking at, you know, those little things uh, with my casual hockey eye, and I can just see that uh, the Flyers, are, the boys are exciting a little bit. So. Um, I look for them to actually hold on, you know, play tough down the stretch. And, uh, you know, the trade deadline is coming up. It's not here yet. It, you know, it is coming up pretty soon. So I do look for them to actually um, probably, if, they, if they're looking to, you know, build on what they have, I think they should make a move or two. I think they should make a move or two in order to build on what they have and, and, and to, to make this run down the stretch into the postseason. That's what I look for the Flyers to do. And <clears throat> I think that... um. I got to give a lot of kudos to their coach. Their coach holds their players accountable, and he holds himself accountable, uh, most of all. And I do feel that um, they needed that steady voice in the locker room. You know, a lot of uncertainty over the last few years. Um, with Hextall and Hextall, you know, there was just a lot of just... I know, and I know people loved Hexy because, you know, he was, you know, was a flyer, you know? And, and people didn't like Hextall for a lot of time, uh, for a long period of time, I should say, because of... Um, you know, it came from the college ranks and, you know, um, they were just unsure of him, but I feel like the Flyers finally do have that voice that they need in order to, uh, proceed and get to the next level as far as their coaching is concerned and their stability in the locker room is concerned. They just need the talent. And I think at the trade deadline, they make a, a move or two in order to make that, that playoff push. All right. So kudos to the boys flyer die now or never go flyers all right and, oh yeah <laughs> and uh, how could i forget about gritty i mean you know there was a big case out there or a big you know um accusation out there that gritty had assaulted a young 13 year old boy during a flyers meet and greet and uh the boys suffered some injuries to his lower back um some bruising the gentleman the the, the father of the child actually got on the radio and you know talked about um how the he wanted the Flyers to do like an investigation over this. He didn't want any money, and but he just wanted them to investigate the matter. And he wanted an apology overall from from Gritty and the Flyers. And uh, the Flyers investigated. They found him not to be guilty. Then the Philadelphia Police actually got involved. They investigated it. They found him not to be guilty. So Gritty, uh, you know the the uh, the <laughs> what? How can I say this? The uh, the um, the story of Gritty continues, you know, the, uh, the, the legend of Gritty grows, I will say that, and, uh, you know, for him being quote-unquote gritty, um, the legend grows, and, you know, this is just one notch under his belt, I guess you could say, so, um, 
you know, for what may, well, for what it's worth, I mean, the Flyers could at least just apologize to the guy, I think, in my opinion. I just think that, you know, for what they could have just apologized for the misunderstanding, even if they didn't feel like Gritty was guilty. Just apologize for the misunderstanding. Move on. Like, don't let this get any bigger in the news. And I feel like it got big in the news for no reason. It didn't have to go that way. But, um, and, and that's just, that's a, that's a fault of the Flyers PR, in my opinion. Um, you know, you just bite the bullet. You say you're sorry and that's it. You know, you're not admitting any guilt, but you do admit that, you know, there's a misunderstanding there. And, you know, any hurt that was caused, you know, just apologize for it and move on. That's it. You know, so Flyers, um, you know, glad they got past that. And I do feel, like I said, they will make a push into the playoffs. I think they make one or two moves during that, during the, um, before the trade deadline occurs, and I think that they'll, you know, try to tighten the ship up in order to make that postseason run. All right? So, that's it on the Flyers. As far as the Eagles are concerned, the Eagles actually solidified their coaching staff. Um, the biggest uh, the biggest move notably being that they didn't hire a uh, an offensive coordinator. Went with hiring Press Taylor as their uh, passing game coordinator. And um, they went with... Uh, bring in some other coaches they brought in um mark carmanuel from the formerly of the uh atlanta falcons to be there it's a great movie uh it seems like it always does that as soon as i'm trying to get some information for you guys or to you guys but um I can't guess his name. Sanquitilio. I know he used to be on the um, the 49ers coaching staff. He was a quarterbacks coach. So um, they did bring him. Uh, I think he is the uh, he's like an offensive. So the Eagles basically have a passing game coordinator. They have a run game coordinator. Um, they have, you know, um, that's they, they go with the coordinators of individually the passing and running game. Um, they haven't they just elected not to go actual offensive coordinator. Um, I think the big thing with me and uh, seeing that I think um, the responsibility now and, you know, for the foreseeable future will fall on Doug Peterson. <clears throat> you know, I went through this thing where, you know, I kind of got mad at Doug. I got mad at Doug a lot for a lot of things this season. And you take a step back, you look at it from 30,000, you understand that. The, the Eagles just suffer a lot of injuries over the year. And you understand that um, this is the third year where they suffered all these injuries. And it's only Doug Peterson's fourth year. And three out of his four years, I mean, they suffered just a, a boatload of injuries. It's just been lending like carousel of just people in the, um, uh, the, the training room trying to get healthy, trying to get off the schneid and and signing practice squad players and bringing people out off the feet. And um, I get mad at Doug because of uh, the wings going Sundays, you know, or Mondays or Thursdays, whatever. And I I have to re- I had to take a look at it from thirty thousand feet and understand like you know a lot of this isn't Doug Peterson's fault. A lot of the reason that the Eagles suffered and a lot of reasons that they weren't as good as they should have been or the way we thought they should have been is because of their talent. Um, I looked at the uh, the series um, All or Nothing on, on Amazon Prime, and I just looked at the training camp and then that first week and the amount of talent the Eagles had, and I was just like, weren't wrong to believe they were both contenders. We're not incorrect to believe. I, 
that talent at the beginning week one that talent right there was like all right that's enough for them to make it a deep playoff run at least an NFC championship game that's how i felt and you know looking at um Deshaun and Alshon and, and, and Nelson Aguilar, um, you know, those three together, you know, along with Zacherts, along with Dallas Goddard, uh, Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders, uh, before Miles Sanders even came on, like, we were really made a, a noise or made a, a name for himself on the scene um, and having Sproles and then having Carson fully healthy. Um, I really did feel like they were a, a force to be reckoned with. And I don't think that we were wrong to believe that they were a Super Bowl contender. And it's just the amount of injuries that they suffered, man. It just, it sucked. It really did suck because it really did derail the season. And I think, you know, Doug deserved a lot of credit for um, pulling the team together, uh, scheming the, the team up the way they should have been schemed up um, with the with the lack of talent that they had. And then making, you know, the necessary, necessary play call, excuse me, play calls, um, during each of the games, you know, and putting the team in positions to win. And I know that they suffered some losses that they shouldn't have suffered, you know, this year. I know that that Dolphins loss was a really bad loss. I know that, um, you know, losing like that um, to the Patriots at home and then losing like that to Seattle at home, you know, sucked really bad. I understand it. I really do. You know, it wasn't good at all. But I do feel like, you know, I think Doug did the best that he could with what he had and for that he deserves a lot of credit just feel like um just was a a season where everything that could have went wrong did go wrong and and doug did the best he could with what he had so i had to, i have to give him credit like looking at it you know not being immersed in the season understanding that uh we were devoid of talent in so many different places um gotta give Doug it and you know I've heard a lot of different things I've heard things where you know the top thing people used to always say was you know he didn't have wide receivers then people used to say like Carson needed to play better then people used to say the defense sucked and they wanted Jim Schwartz fired it was a culmination of so many different things and just looking back at it I think that they were able to pull it together you know at, at the toughest time you know uh, going into December Knowing that they had to win their last four games uh, in order to make the playoffs, and they needed a little bit of help. Um, well, they just needed to win. Like they only controlled they controlled their own destiny. They won their last four games. They were able to pull it together, and Carson was able to step up to the plate and play his best football in that month of December and stay healthy for the entire season. And it's just like a um, like I said, what can go wrong will go wrong because in that playoff game. You know, no one expected him to get knocked. Like, people were... I know, me personally, I had picked the Eagles to win that game. I felt the Eagles were better than the Seahawks, and they were going to win that game. They had the better overall... To me, and to me, they had a better overall team. And uh, I did not take into account that Carson Wentz would get hurt that game. And it's like, you know, we looked at it. He escaped injury the entire year. He played well the entire... Like, to me, he played solid the entire year. I mean, he played... He had a really good season, in my opinion. He played well all year long. He escaped injury. You know, he silenced the haters. He can't play 16. He can't win big games. He did all of that. And right when he gets to a playoff game, he gets cheap shotted. And he gets knocked out. And it's like, you know, 
even in that game, they still had a chance to even win the game with the backup with the 41 year old Josh McCown. By the way, Josh McCown needs to be on this this staff some somehow this year. Um, whether they signing him as a backup again or I don't know, but that is a great offense. That's a great football mind, and I think the Eagles are doing themselves a disservice by not having him on the staff in some capacity. Now I heard he didn't want to coach. I heard he still wanted to play a little bit. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, yo, you got to get him on the staff somehow as a coach, player, something. And, you know, for him to come into that that playoff game, you know, completely cold, you know, not having, um, you know, taking 13 reps at all. He really did come in and um, he did what he could do. I mean, he could now he should have taken some shots in the end zone. But I feel like, you know, he did what he could do. Um, He didn't play outside of himself. And he even he like he tore his complete hamstring off the bone, and he still is playing through that entire game. I'm just, you know, what can go wrong? Where did go wrong for that team? And you know, it's just a. It almost feels like being cursed, you know. So, I look at Doug, and Doug is a great offensive mind. I do know that. I know that. I do know that. There are some of the things he does that makes me iffy, and. I'm not going to lie and say I, I didn't want an offensive coordinator in here to kind of balance things out because I felt like there should have been one. I really wanted Deuce Staley to be the offensive coordinator. I felt like it was his time to do so. It's time to be the OC. And the fact that the Eagles didn't give him a chance, it kind of sucked. It sucks. It does suck. Because I feel like they would have just gave it to Press Taylor, but knowing how it would look, you know, them um, overlooking Deuce again. They just decided not to go with an OC. That's how I take it. And that's not good, in my opinion. I mean, you know, if you don't want Deuce as your OC eventually, let the man go. Let let the man let the man, you know, grow his career somehow, some way then. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to you guys. Keep holding people stagnant. Like you just gotta cut your ties. If if a person's not gonna help you grow, then you know, cut ties with them. But I think Deuce Daly is a good coach, and I think that. They're they're being kind of selfish trying to keep him here, but trying to keep him under their thumb, not trying to help him move up in any way. That kind of sucks, you know, but, you know, I don't I don't know the exact reasons why. I mean, this is just me just, uh, you know, assuming all these things to be true, assuming that, you know, Duke Sally was in the running and he should have been in the running and, you know. That he didn't get the OC job and they didn't they didn't make an OC period because they didn't want to overlook Deuce anymore. That's just me assuming. But overall, I mean, the responsibility is going to fall more on Doug. I know he's doing a, you know, they they have this whole collaborative effort thing with the with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I get that. But I look at it and I just say, all right, there's no OC, Doug. This is really going to fall, and I get it. That's the trend of the league. The league does that now. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have an OC out in, in San Fran, and, and Bill Belichick doesn't have a DC up in New England. I get that. I understand it. I do. But I'm looking at it, and I'm just saying, all right, Doug, there's no OC. Offense fails. It's on you. And people have been complaining about this offense. People have been, been complaining about slow starts. People have been complaining about, you know, the lack of run game. People have been complaining about certain things with this with this offense and this team overall. It is on you to make this thing work. It is now your responsibility. It's been your responsibility, but now it's really your responsibility. You're not one to want power as far as um, 
personnel decisions, and that's cool. But I guess he wants power on the football field. He wants power over, you know, making the decisions every Sunday when it comes to the offense. And you got it. You got it. And you got to make it happen. You got to make it work. And if it doesn't work, it is on you. And I think that not having an OC, restructuring the, the, the coaching staff, restructuring everything, and then, you know, firing Grow and, and Carson Carson Walsh, uh, even though he stuck up for those guys, I think that was a that was that was, that was a shot to him, like letting him know, like, look, all right, you stuck up for these guys. We had to let them go anyway. Like, this is on you to make this work. This is on you. I'm cutting this dead fat off because I believe these guys couldn't cut it, and this is on you to make it work. So we'll see what happens with Doug. We'll see. And I think that um. You know, I think Doug is a very good coach. He's a good leader of men. And it is up to him to really pull this thing together. And next year, they just can't suffer as many injuries as they did this year. They can remain remotely healthy next year. They'll be in good shape, I think. And then, well, we got to see what happens during the draft and during free agency. But um, they can't have a season like they did this year as far as the amount of injuries that they had. They just can't do it. They can't suffer that. They can't go through that for another year. They just can't. And I know that um, they revamped their medical staff again. Um, I don't know what the deal is with all these injuries. I don't know. I know they got to get younger. I do know that. And I know that they got some decisions to make in free agency as far as, um, you know, who to, who they'll line who they'll draft on draft. And I know that there's a big decision to be made on Matt Jenkins and extending his contract and, you know, giving him more money or whatever, guaranteed money. I, I don't, I just don't. Not a leader of your defense. I just don't think you let him walk. You let Brian Doggins walk, you can't make the same mistake twice. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but the Eagles, they have revamped their, and I've heard some, you know, some talk about Possible receivers that could sign in the you know off season for during free agency, but I just look at um, I can't even revisit anything as far as the team's outlook until free agency comes and they actually draft, and we'll see. We'll go from there and we'll see. All right, moving on to the Phillies. The Phillies have officially opened up spring training. Um, every all everybody has reported. I know Gene Segura is down 14 pounds from last year, and he said he'll play anywhere the team needs him to play. JT Romuto is still in arbitration, um, and if they don't, um, if he doesn't win arbitration, um, he will go into free agency next season or at the end of this season. And I'm just thinking, like, the Phillies are just making a mistake. Like, <laughs> Give the man the money, please. Like, he's the best catcher in baseball. I don't know what the argument is. Like, pay the man and 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 get the man under a long-term contract, and then we can move on from here. The Phillies, to me, they get in their own way with certain things, and my lack of confidence comes with the Phillies because they don't make good personnel decisions. Um, in this front office, I don't know what the deal is with McPhail and with um, not Middleton's the owner, but McPhail and, and the other guy. Um, whoever the other guy, I can't even think of the guy right now. Um, but 
I don't know what the deal is with these guys. Um, making it such, they make it, they make a mountain out of a molehill with you know, with this team, and I'm just, I don't get it, I don't get it, and um, I feel like I don't know, I don't know the outlook of this team. I don't know, you know, they're a playoff team. I don't know, I don't know. I hope that they can win 85, 86 games this year. You know, I do hope that you know them having a new manager, a smart manager. Um, experienced manager can actually um, propel them into uh, you know a playoff berth or a wild card berth. I do hope that, um, but I feel like I don't know. Like this team gets in its own way, and it, it always happens with the front. It's not the talent; it's the front office. You know, and I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. I feel like they are the most team in the uh, Philadelphia sports landscape. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. But I am happy to, you know, like they're back spring training. They're all in spring training. Um, I just hope that they pay real Muto. And um, they're talking about they expect to go to luxury tax this year. Yes, go over to luxury tax. There's no, listen, you stunk for years. It, it's your duty to make this team as best as you could possibly make it. And go into the luxury tax, and if it if it means getting talent to propel this team into the next level, into a playoff, you know, postseason berth, you know, possibly make something happen. They owe it to the city. They do. So we'll see what happens there. We will. Um. So I got really on the Phillies. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um. With the Sixers, you know, the later part of the season. Flyers making the playoff push. He's open up spring. I mean, he opened spring training. He opened up the season, I guess, it's a month away. And um, we'll see what happens with the draft with the Eagles. Free agency with the Eagles. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right? So, uh, if I had to wrap up the podcast with, you know, a, a thought today, I'll wrap it up with just one thought. Um... It is, um, coaching is cool, you know, coaching, coaching is one of you a certain amount of games and star players making plays is cool. You know, playmaking ability is great. How to win games as well. But overall, I think leadership, leadership is, is how you win in all these leagues. It's not even just, it's not just the NBA. It's not just the NFL. It's not just. Um, MLB, not just NHL, but it's, it's you know all the leagues. It's leadership. I think that's been the common theme of this podcast. It's just been of this episode. It's just been leadership. You know, the Flyers are doing well because they have great leadership in the locker room again, like a great leader in coaching to lead them. Um, the Sixers. The reason that they were stumbling so much. The reason that they stumble. Is because of their lack of leadership on the court. You know, Doug, I may not necessarily agree with everything he does, but he is a leader of men and the players believe in him. And the reason they're able to be successful, regardless, and, you know, withstand so many injuries is because of the leadership of Doug Peterson. And the Phillies, the reason that we're so uncertain with who they are is because of the lack of leadership, the lack of the front office. 
And that's why it's good to have Girardi in here because Girardi is a good leader of men, I feel. But I just don't know about this front office and the leadership in the front office in order to make this team a good team. And that'll be my final thought with this podcast, of this episode of the podcast. This is episode 45 of the Philly Sports 444 podcast. Before I go, I just want to shout out... Uh, I just want to shout out a couple uh, of, uh, well, I just want to shout out particularly one business, um, Marciano's Bakery of Philadelphia. Uh, I met uh, Denise Marciano of Marciano's Bakery last week, and I was actually driving Uber, and I picked her up. We got to talking and everything, and listen, if you want some great tomato pie, and if you want, this is something I've never heard of before, and I'm, I'm definitely going to stop by and try, cheesesteak tomato pie, if you want your baked goods, tomato pie and especially cheese steak tomato pie visit Marciano's Bakery of Philadelphia and it's located at 4653 Umbria Street in Philadelphia PA um, you can reach them online at marcianosbakery.com it's M-A-R-C-H-I-A-N-O-S bakery.com all one word alright Marciano's Bakery of Philadelphia Deneen thank you so much for your business card I appreciate it I'm going to definitely stop by and support you guys um and I look forward to, uh, you know, uh, tasting some of that good cheesesteak tomato pie. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So I uh, just want to give them a shout out. Listen, thank you all for tuning into the podcast. I do appreciate it. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google uh, and Anchor.fm or the Anchor app. Um, that's Philly Sports 444 podcast is F-O-U-R-F-O-R, the number four podcast. Um you can email us, you can tweet us, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I am here. I do respond to all of the messages and everything like that. And I appreciate everyone who gives me feedback. I, I, I appreciate that. And um, I definitely engage when it comes to uh, social media. All right. So if you you know give me a shout out, I'll give you a shout out back. Um like I said, when I give these shout outs on here, I don't want any money from anybody. I just want your business to succeed. And at the same time, you listen to the podcast and help hopefully share it and share it and share it with someone else. All right. So when you listen to this podcast, share, 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 share. Don't forget to don't forget to visit uh, visit Marciano's Bakery in Philadelphia. Um, and also, I got some things coming up, as I always say about the podcast. I got some. I'm looking to do some live events pretty, pretty soon. So stay tuned for those things. I'll be dropping up some announcements on uh, when I'll be doing those. And um, listen, keep your eyes open, your ears open. All right, follow the podcast, follow us on social media. Um, reach out to me. I'll reach back out to you. All right. Um, I'm looking to do some big things here in 2020. And remember, the only thing, the only way to go, even when you're not sure, is to go forward. All right. This is Dom Lewis here with the Philly Sports 444 podcast. And until next time, peace.